Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiru wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yahdiyallahu falamudilla lah wa man yudlilhu falahadiyya lah wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh amma ba'd qala la subhanahu ta'ala fi kitabihil kareem ba'd a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّا إِلَّا بَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في مكان ثاني يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ عَمَالَكُمْ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَمَنْ يُطِعُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا صدق الله العظيم إن شاء الله in today's khutbah I'll start off with one of the advice that Abu Bakr Siddiq an gave to Umar bin Khattab an. When Abu Bakr was on his deathbed and Umar was appointed as his successor. So he said, he gave him a pretty long advice. I'm just taking the part of it. And it is valid for that time and it's valid for today. And it will be valid for later time to come inshallah as well. And he started off Saying to Umar, Ittaqullah. He's saying, Umar, imagine a sahabi like Abu Bakr is telling a sahabi like Umar to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reminding him to fear Allah. And then he goes on, O Umar, and know that there are some deeds to be done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the day, which he will not accept at night, and some deeds to be done during the night, which he will not accept during the day. He does not accept any nafila, the recommended actions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, which are not obligatory. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept nafila deeds until the obligatory duties have been done. So here Abu Bakr Siddiq was giving him the advice of make sure your priorities are correct. Meaning the obligatory things have to be done first. You cannot leave your obligations to fulfill the nafila, mandub, sunnah, or recommended actions as we say in English language. Which is not that we are accountable to do, which are something extra. So we cannot do extra work while we have not done what is obligatory. It's like thinking of the school circumstances that you continue to take some electives while you're not fulfilling your required coursework. You're not going to graduate. So same thing here, when we talk about the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, there are things which are obligatory on us, and there are things which are recommended, which are good for us to do more and more. So why am I discussing this, especially in this khutbah? So we understand that it is, first of all, even though we have a very small group of people here, it's one of the, very, one of the most important times of the week for the ummah. 
And even if we have less number of people, whoever gets up and talk here, whoever talks here, he should be thinking of that he has taken the time away from these people. That time has to be used properly. And talked about, it's been used for the important things that we have, we have to learn, we must know about what's going on. And today's topic, I will base it off of one of the ayat in Surah Tawbah. Allah Azza wa Jal talks about it. He says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, inna kathiran min al ahbari wa ruhbani, la yakuluna amwal al nasi bil batila wa yasuduna an sabilillah, walladina yaknizuna dhahaba wal fidda, wala yunfikuna fi sabilillahi, fabashirhum bi adabin alim. Subhanallah. This ayah is talking about three categories of the people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who believe. And remember that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off in ayah, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu sahaba, they used to right away, their ears used to go up. There is a command is coming for, uh, for uh, to do or to avoid. Either awamir wa nawahi. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us something about in the min al ahbari wa ruhban. There are two categories are here first. The rabbis and monks. Allah is talking about Bani Israel here. That they ate the wealth of the people and they put the barriers in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about third category of people. And the people who hoard the gold and the silver. Allah is saying, and they do not spend the path of Allah. Allah is giving them a news about a severe punishment coming for them. All three categories. And Ibn Kathir, he discusses these three categories of people this way. That these people are, in reality, are scholars. The monks, the one, or in our case, also same way. The people who are too much indulged into worships. And the third one is the one who have material power. And these three people are mentioned to us, even though we're talking about Bani Israel. But we have been warned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to not to be on the path of Bani Israel. This is why Allah is give, has given so many stories of Bani Israel in the Quran and the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Rasulullah has mentioned about them, the previous nations, my ummah will follow them foot by foot, inch by inch. And if they get into the lizard hole, my ummah will follow them. And Sahaba asked, Ya Rasulullah, do you mean Yahudu Nasara? And Rasulullah said, who else? So this was already told to us. And this is why the Quran discusses so many stories. The most stories mentioned in the Quran are about the Bani Israel. And there's a purpose for that. So we learn the lessons out of them. So here, Allah is telling us about Bani Israel, and starting up with, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. So what is the command for us here? So we avoid that situation. Our scholars, our people who are too much involved into ibadat, or the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the one who have material power, they do not follow the same path. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned here. 
And I will talk about the third category more than the first two, and the first two are important as well, and some other time we'll talk about that as well. So, main thing we should remember that is, we should not be following even the scholars blindly. Islam does not ask us to follow people blindly. As a matter of fact, the very same surah in Surah Tawbah, Allah Azza wa Jalla وَيَتَّخِذُوا أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرُحْبَانَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ That they have taken their ahbar and ruhban, which is the rabbis and the monks, as their rabb. Adi bin Hatim radiallahu anhu, he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he had a cross around his neck, he was a Christian at that time, and he asked, Ya Rasulullah, he did not say Rasulullah in the sense of messenger of Allah, but we did not take our monks and rabbis as, as gods, as rabb. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, did you accept whatever they made halal as halal, and whatever they made haram as haram? And if that's the case, then you have made them as the rabb. That's a rububiyyah. Lordship, that you have given the job of Allah Azza wa Jal to different people. Allah is the only one who tells us, gives us what is halal and what is haram. What is allowed, what is not allowed. It only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we take that away and give it to the people, now we are doing a shirk. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning here. This is why it's important for us to be watchful of that act. But I want to talk about the third category of people a little bit today. And the ayah continues on and talk about these people also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يُحْمَ عَلَيْهَا جَهَنَّمَ Allah subhanahu is saying, on that day when the kanz, kanz is the terminology used for hoarding, that you hoard the wealth. You're not using for any cause, any, any purpose and will be heated in the fire and hell, and will it, it will be branded their foreheads, their flanks, their backs. And this is the treasure which you hoarded for yourself. Now taste of what you used to hoard. So the Tawbah ayah number 35. Why am I bringing this up about the issue of kens or issue of hoarding today? It is because of a current, current event that happened. And it is important for us to be aware of what's happening around us. Islam is not about just rituals. Islam is a way of life. It teaches us everything how to perform. Whether it is my ibadat, the worship that we do to Allah Azza wa directly, my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship with Him, or our relationship with people around us. Whether it are their brothers, sisters, parents, children, uncles, aunts, neighbors, or the whole world at large. Islam gives us how to deal with others as well, which is mu'amalat. And the third thing is, how we deal with ourselves, which is our akhlaq, which is our malbusat, mat'umat, how we dress, what we eat, how, whether we are honest, we are trustworthy, and on and on and on. All these things are covered by the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the issue that I'm referring to, you might have read in the newspaper, the people, people talking about Pandora Papers in which there are many of the different parts of the world leaders have hoarded their wealth, which probably do not even belong to them, and then they put them into different kinds of banks, whether it's in Switzerland or Cayman or this or that, and they have transferred the wealth, and nobody knew that before, where they are moving their wealth. And that wealth is really, the reason they do that is mostly 
avoid the taxation. Either that, or their wealth really does not even belong to them, and they have stolen because they are either some of the ministers of many of the countries, including, for example, Pakistan, or Jordan, or Egypt, or, or even United States, the businesses, businessmen and all that, they have hoarded the wealth. So it's in the news. Pandora papers are in the news. We as Muslims should be aware of what exactly it is. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the very same thing here. About the people who hoard the gold and the silver. Whenever we see gold and silver in Islam, it's referring to like that. It is referring to, referring to the wealth. Because the gold and silver was a standard of money before. Unfortunately, that has been broken in the 70s. It's no more there. So that is what it was referring to. And today we see the very same people, they are hoarding the wealth. And not only hoarding, they are first stealing many of them. That does not even belong to them. And then they move it in a safe havens for themselves. They're thinking that they can have their millions and billions when they will retire for whatever they are doing right now. And they will have it ready for them when they move to different parts of the world, whether they want to live in their own part, wherever they will live. But that's what he's referring to. But see, problem is, all this when we hear, whether we're talking about this, uh, this today, about the Pandora Papers, or we heard about it before, like in 2012 and 2013, we heard about the offshore leaks. Then later on, followed by Luxembourg leaks in 2014, Swiss leaks in 2015, then Panama Papers happened later on in 2016, Paradise Papers in 2017, and now this Pandora Papers are coming. See, we have become actually so insensitive, we shrug it off, well, this is what the politicians do. <laughs> They're famous for that, that they will break promises, they will lie, and on and on and on. So this has become a norm for us. So it's not even, so we cannot just take this as a one-off thing. It means this is a systemic thing. If it's a systemic thing, we cannot think of it as it is just a one-off thing and let it go. See, this is actually causing huge pain to the world today. You'll be surprised at how many people die because of hunger on a daily basis. You know how many? 25,000 people die on a daily basis. These are WHO numbers. That makes 9.1 million people die every year. You know, you and I probably miss one meal or two. Our stomach starts growling. And we'll be probably screaming to our, in my case, wives or mothers or, or aunts or whoever, sisters. How come we don't have the food ready for us? Or even we will just go buy some food right away, take care of that. Can you imagine somebody dies because of hunger, meaning how long he has to go through this pain to the point the body gave up. And 25,000 people die on a daily basis. They don't even have enough to get food. This is a much bigger pandemic than what we're talking about, putting the mask and getting the vaccinations and making sure nobody gets hurt. Medication is there. You know what medication is called for those 25,000 people die every day? It's food. Which we are wasting. In the countries like here, the food is wasted, so keep the prices up. Go to Wisconsin, how much of a dairy product they have to waste to keep the prices up. And same way, any other, other place go, vegetables, fruits, meat, they have to sometimes destroy it so the prices stay up. 
On contrary to that, there are places where people are dying because of not having food. And then we see people like them, they are taking millions and billions, putting offshore, and hiding their wealth. Islam does not say that we cannot save money, by the way. Islam allows savings. We can save the money. You want to get married, save money. You want to get, buy a house, you want to do a business, you want to send your kids to the school, you save money. There's a purpose for that. You don't save money for nothing and hold the circulation of the wealth. When you hold the circulation of the wealth, that causes the disasters which are we seeing around the world. People don't have enough to eat. And when we continue to circulate the wealth, that automatically creates job opportunities for people. See, this is where we understand Islam is a way of life. It deals with all affairs of life. Including the 25,000 people who die on a daily basis, Islam comes in and takes care of them. These people, when we are talking about, they get richer and richer when they have the positions. I was talking about Umar al-Khattab in the beginning of the talk, and then I'll end with his, uh, something about him again. The very same, sorry, sorry, Umar al-Khattab, Abu Bakr Siddiq. Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he became the, rulers over the um, became the ruler over the ummah, one of the things that happened was, after he took that power, Umar al-Khattab, he saw him walking towards the bazaar, <laughs> to the market, and gets, do some, he asked him, where are you going Abu Bakr? And the response was, yes, you have given me the responsibility of being the Khalifa to Rasul, but I still have to take care of my family. So he was going for work. So Omar says, you cannot do this. There are people who are waiting for you to take care of their affairs. So then they decided, okay, they decided, we'll give him some stipend. Not as an employee. He's not an employee of Omar or Ali or Uthman or the state itself. He is getting a stipend because he cannot spend the time that he would have spent for his family to work and get, get some wealth. And he said, give him the minimum. And they gave him some part, uh, there was one goat on a daily basis for a big huge family Abu Bakr had, and some uh, wheat and stuff. And then after a few days, they saw Abu Bakr again going to the, to the work market, to the market. They, they said, what happened now? He said, well, that was not enough for my family what you gave me. So they increased the stipend. Now Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he was on his deathbed, as I was talking in the beginning, now what does he do? Even though during this two, two years and three months period of time when he was Amir al-Mu'mineen, he took some stipend from the Baytul Mal, from the uh, uh, state affairs, and he gathered all his wealth, whatever he had, and then he asked how much he took from the Baytul Mal during this period of time when he was ruling. He had a piece of land, a slave, whatsoever. He, he sold whatever he could. He paid the money back what he took from the Baytul Mal. Even though he did not have to. He didn't have to, but he returned it back. And Omar was, because he's the one who was next in line, he was saying, Ya Abu Bakr, you are making very tough for the next people who will be coming and following you. To follow your example. So now compare what Islam did to the people at that time. Islam came and did, Islam took the people out of the ignorance, out of the darkness, out of the jahiliyyah, and made them into people like Abu Bakr, Uthman, Umar, Ali, Abdurrahman bin Auf. The one, we find the examples for us to be followed. 
And Omar the very same one who was a tough man in the Jahiliyyah, even against Islam, the moment Islam entered into the, hearts of, uh, into the heart of Omar, he was a completely different person. And when he had power, he used to walk in the streets of the Medina to make sure that all the subjects of his have been taken care of. This is what Islam does. When Islam is in practice, it takes care of not only the society as a whole, but every individual in the society as well. It does not leave it that, okay, we have got enough resources for the society. It doesn't matter if people get it or not, we provide it for the society. No, it has to be for the every individual. And that's how Islam takes care of the affairs of the people. And it, 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 it makes sure that the people do not do any of the hoarding that we are seeing in a systemic manner is happening across the world in the current system of lives which are implemented all around the world. Muslim lands or non-Muslim land. And we are the one as Muslims. We have the solutions. And we have to really think of it. That we have to understand that, own that, that we have the solutions for the mankind. And we have to rise up. We have to stand up and give this message of mercy to the mankind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, kunu qawwameena bilqist, shuhada lillahi walau ala anfusikum awil walidaini wal aqrabin. Subhanallah. Allah is telling us, get up, be the ones who are the, uh, the, the, the one who provides the justice to the mankind, the witnesses for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if they might hurt their own parents or their family members, the close ones, to provide the justice, we will not avoid to give the justice to the mankind. That's what Islam is about. Islam is not about, unfortunately, the, the way it has been painted by the ones who hate Islam. So we have to go and revisit what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us and be the ones who can really carry the message of Islam to the mankind and take the mankind out of the misery we are in, Muslim, non-Muslims alike. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says you, that we have made you the best ummah. Ummatul wasata is the best ummah. The one who provides the justice to the mankind. And you are witnesses over the mankind. Rasulullah was witnesses over you. So we are witnesses meaning we are accountable for the mankind. We will be asked for this by Allah Azza wa on the day of judgment. And then we should reply to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save the mankind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Answer the call of Allah and His Messenger. What they're calling for. That gives you life. This message from Allah Azza wa Jal, the creator of the heavens and the earth, gives life to the mankind. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the one who take this message of mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the whole mankind, including Muslims and non-Muslims. So they can really see the mercy this deen provides and help them out and save them yet again one more time. The way it used to happen in the past, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to send the messengers to protect the mankind. Today there will be no more messengers. Because Rasulullah was the last messenger. We are the messengers who carry the message that Rasulullah brought. 
So take this message of mercy to the mankind so we can protect the mankind one more Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.